Well, Beto O'Rourke, the 46-year-old former Democratic congressman from Texas, announcing earlier today that he is indeed running for president in 2020. Remember, he uh, famously uh, fought uh, pretty hard in the state of Texas against Ted Cruz for a Senate spot there, eventually uh, losing to the incumbent senator. Here is uh, Mr. O'Rourke and part of his video announcement that was released earlier today. Amy and I are happy to share with you that I'm running to serve you as the next president of the United States of America. This is a defining moment of truth for this country and for every single one of us. The challenges that we face right now, the interconnected crises in our economy, our democracy, and our climate have never been greater. And they will either consume us or they will afford us the greatest opportunity to unleash the genius of the United States of America. In other words, this moment of peril produces perhaps the greatest moment of promise for this country and for everyone inside of it. All right. How does this affect the Democratic race? How will this affect the presidential race? Perhaps is Beto O'Rourke truly a legitimate challenger to President Donald Trump? Let's welcome in Paul Pacelli. He's a U.S. journalist and morning co-host at WDRC AM in Hartford, Connecticut. Paul, good afternoon and uh, thanks for the time. Good afternoon. Great to be back with you. I hope all is well. Uh, everything is very good. Thank you. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, he made his announcement in Iowa this morning. And just looking at the poll numbers there, he's uh, running at about a 5% compared to a Joe Biden, who is not even in this race at all, uh, Paul. He's uh, sitting at 27%. So why is Beto O'Rourke seemingly kind of the darling of the left, do you think? Do you want to know the real reason? And I'm not making this up. I've heard this from people. He, uh, he reminds people of Bobby Kennedy. Uh, his mannerisms, his look, uh, the, the, the rolled-up sleeves on the campaign trail, the talk about America becoming a nirvana on everything. You know, he is being positioned as the – and if you re- go back and research uh, uh, Senator Kennedy's uh, campaign before he was tragically assassinated, you know, a lot of liberals and progressives I know say, ah, that's the guy. He's not as crazy as Bernie Sanders. Uh, he actually was a congressman from Texas for three terms, which is saying something, and that he maybe can appeal to some of these, you know, Midwestern white and male blue-collar voters who flipped President Trump last time. All right, so for those who don't know Beto O'Rourke all that well, can you kind of describe his uh, politics? You mentioned his looks and his similarity to Bobby Kennedy, but I've read some coverage, Paul, that says he's a progressive, but uh, for some he may uh, on the left he may not be progressive enough yeah he is uh he does pose that that's a keen observation thank you i was going to bring that up yeah he poses he's got let me just backtrack and say he uh, looks mannerisms affability yeah he comes straight out of central casting um the intriguing thing about him is he's from texas he's a texas democrat he served multiple terms in a house seat um, but on the downside, a lot of progressives are saying, well, wait a minute, we don't want a Texas Democrat. We want a New York or Los Angeles Democrat. You know, he says all the right things about the environment, about the economy. Yet if you start to peel back some of his uh, voting record, I believe I read somewhere where he had a relatively high percentage of the times that he broke with the Democratic Party. Um, his uh, wife's family, I believe, comes from money. I believe his father-in-law uh, is, is, is a is a multi 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 millionaire in the in the real estate field. Um, 
Uh, he is also, I believe, uh, took part in his private life in some rather questionable, uh, I believe, eminent domain cases uh, in Texas. So, you know, he does fit the bill a little bit on some of the boxes you want to check off, but I doubt he'll be really popular with progressives. All right, Mr. O'Rourke, in his announcement today, also promised Paul to run a positive campaign. And I'm just wondering, uh, can you actually do that in 2020, and can you do that and beat Donald Trump? Yeah, and I'm promising to start uh, opening day as the pitcher for the New York Yankees, yeah. So, <laughs> trust me, neither one of those is going to happen. Now, what some candidates do, and they try to do, is they try to remain positive on the campaign trail. And they have their handlers, their media people, these associated political action committees that we have here in the States. While not directly endorsing their candidacy, they can air what we call issue ads against the other candidates. So I guess technically he can, but you bring up a great point. They're going up against Donald Trump, who at the drop of a hat will start to throw punches. Uh, and that's why he still remains pretty much relatively popular with the base here and still a little more at like 45, 46 percent, depending upon what uh, poll you look at. So I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I, su- I suspect that, yeah, he'll try to do that, but his handlers will be throwing, you know, punches, you know, from the sideline. And, you know, I heard part of his video that you played there, you know, and immediately I'm sure. Um, you know, if he were to elevate himself in the uh, standings there and maybe become a possible candidate or a, an opposition uh, to Mr. Trump, you know, they will take him to task. I mean, he talks about an economic crisis. Well, what's he talking about? Has he has he seen how well the U.S. economy is doing? So, you know, there's a lot of hyperbole there that's going to have to be parsed away. By the way, as a Jays fan, I really hope you are the opening day pitcher for the uh, New York Yankees. Uh, <laughs> how no, is? You no, you don't. Uh, you know, my command isn't what it used to be. No, no, no. But the fastball still up around ninety, ninety-two. No, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it out of camp. So. Okay. <laughs> well, how about O'Rourke? Is he going to make it out of uh, the Democratic camp? Uh, how is he? Do you know when it comes to money? How is he fixed? Because I know Bernie Sanders came out of the gate with some, I think, uh, six million in the bank. He's off and running. How about O'Rourke? Uh, what kind of bank does he have? Well, that's going to be the measure. I do not know what he has left over from his Senate run. I'd have to check that. U.S. election law does let you keep what you raise for a, a, an election bid, and I don't believe candidates are required to spend every cent they raise. So he might have a good amount in the bank. I didn't check that. I'm not sure. But your bigger point is quite uh, quite on uh, spot on here. Uh, you know, they look at, all the pundits look at, the initial fundraising here. And I'm sure they're going to look at the first 24 or 48 hours uh, and uh, see what happens. I will give some uh, credit, all credit, you know, to Bernie Sanders. His, his The amount of money he raises from small donors is quite remarkable. In fact, so does President Trump. A lot of his early donors are small donors. So in that way, they're quite reflective of each other. But the base uh, thing that people are going to look at here is, you know, where is Ben O'Rourke going to get his money? You have O'Rourke, you know, you have Elizabeth Warren, you have Bernie Sanders, you have Kamala Harris, uh, you know, you have Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, the early fundraising here is really going to be a battle over a finite piece, a finite pie here. Yeah, you just mentioned a few of the other contenders because I was thinking about O'Rourke and Sanders, not to mention uh, Harris, Booker, Castro, Warren, among others. Uh, is anybody kind of emerging early on as a, a favorite on the Democratic side, or are we still waiting for uh, Joe Biden? 
Yeah, everybody's waiting to Joe, for Joe Biden, you know, and, and, and on my show in, in locally here in Connecticut, uh, once a week we talk to uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, bureau chief of the McClatchy News Service uh, in, uh, in D.C., a gentleman who used to write for a newspaper here in Hartford. His gut feeling is, as he said, everybody else is that Biden is getting in. If Joe Biden gets in, as you see the poll numbers, he pretty much immediately becomes the favorite. But again, the question is, where does he get his money? And before the punching begins at President Trump, is going to be a family brawl among all these Democrats for money. And key in that brawl is what members of the family that are members of what they call the justice Democrats now, the people who pushed and got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez elected, you know, who do they want to put their money on? And the secondary question is here, how are all these candidates going to answer tough questions on the, uh, on the campaign trail here? They're going to be asked about socialism. Do you, uh, are you in favor of socialism? What about uh, a high minimum wage? What about uh, you know, telling billionaires they have to pay 90% in taxes? This is all stuff that's going to be very interesting, and I'm anxious to hear uh, Mr. O'Rourke's answers on these. Well, that's why you go through the uh, nomination process, right? Uh, to, to get to know these candidates better, to peel back the layers. Because as you, as you mentioned uh, earlier off the top, O'Rourke seems to be from central casting in a lot of ways. And I think there's a lot of hope behind Beto O'Rourke because he ran such a competitive race, uh, as I mentioned off the top, uh, in Texas there against Ted Cruz. Yeah, he did, and, and I was surprised that Cruz was able to win. I thought O'Rourke had a shot to beat him, but Cruz did win. Um, again, though, the key thing is here, the, the, the Democratic Party in this country now, and everyone's talking about it, you know, that we haven't seen in decades, and even in the early 70s, uh, when the party might have been at its most liberal point, we haven't seen a progressive move by the Democratic Party almost ever on this. And... The one of the mantras of the far left Democrats, the crowd of again Ms. Cortez, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, who's having her own problems. One of their mantras is, "We don't care about electability anymore. We don't care how you look. How do you stand on the Green New Deal? How do you stand on taxing millionaires and billionaires? How do you stand on global warming and reparations uh, for slavery?" And that's going to be the real wild card here. Yeah, because I was just wondering, uh, almost beating uh, Ted Cruz, is that an indicator that you can do well against Donald Trump who trounced Ted Cruz? I have a saying that I always look to, and, and I know the Democrats and even Republicans do this. They say, well, the next rising star. Well, you know what? They talked about, uh, you know, Stacey Abrams out of Georgia with her gubernatorial uh, uh, bid, and they're talking about Beto O'Rourke. Well, you know, I sit there and I kind of have seriously say, well, shouldn't rising stars win something? Now, I understand he was a member of Congress. I get that. But, you know, I go back to a phrase that I believe the late Dale Earnhardt Sr. used to use here in NASCAR uh, when they asked him about second place once. He said second place is the first loser. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. And once they shake it out, and he's even already started already. You know, President Trump is already taking a verbal whack on Twitter. Uh, you know, he's already calling Bernie Sanders crazy Bernie. And, you know, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren is Pocahontas again. And I'm sure as we speak, the, the, the White House staff is huddling on a nickname for Beto O'Rourke. So. All right. Paul Pacelli, uh, Paul, I appreciate the time and the perspective. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks. Great being there. Thanks so much.